They're sitting on a couch. It's usually just two characters, or sometimes three characters. And they're always talking and sitting. They're just sitting in a chair. Pacing sucks. There's no style to anything. It's so boring. From the concrete shores of Arlington, Texas, this is the Approximate Podcast with your hosts, Jamie French and Orion Quest. Don't touch me. Don't touch me. Hey, everybody. Uh, welcome to the Approximate Podcast. My name's Jamie French, and uh, my co-host here is Jennifer Sutherland. Orion Quest. I'm sorry, I get those names confused all the time. Orion Quest and <laughs> Jennifer Sutherland. All righty, then. How you doing, man? Greetings out there in internet land. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm just saying you you look like a you look like a Jennifer. <laughs> Why thanks? And no, it's a compliment. It's a compliment. Mm-hmm. By all means. And don't call me Shirley. <laughs> oh man. So hey, uh welcome to the Approximate Podcast, everybody. Um so we got a we got a kind of a weird one. Uh we're gonna kind of mix three different subjects up uh for today's show and create an overarching kind of theme. Uh, again, we're done with the music stuff. So now, now, now we're just talking. Uh, so, uh, let's, uh, let's see what we got here. Uh, today's big kind of overall arching themes is, uh, it's, uh, kind of your, your dreams of things that you would have, uh, kind of, we have three things to talk about here and they all involve, uh, if you had a, a wish to make, do, or be anywhere for something, that's what we're going to talk about. And first on our list is, well, go ahead. Uh, these actually came from Orion, and these are his deals. So I'll let him introduce them, and then we'll, we'll see what we come up with. The first one on the list is, uh, what was it, Dream Collaboration? Dream Collaboration. What do you mean by that? Uh, what we're talking about, anybody living or dead, um, if you want to put a duet or a group together for just uh, maybe one or two songs or maybe an album, like a super group of some type, it can be, a, it, once again, it can be a duet, it can be a band. purely musician stuff? Um, yes, this will be with regards to music in this okay, case. Okay, cool, cool. So for any of you uh, guitar players, bass players, drummers, you know, I'm sure we have a lot of those kind of folks listening to us. Yeah, what? Uh, yeah, what do we got? So, well, one, one that I thought was weird, and what led me to this is, is some of the past collaborations that I listened to. Um, you remember um, the movie Rumblefish? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, one of the one of the there, there was a soundtrack that came out with it that was um, written by Stuart Copeland. Right. I said this on one of the earlier podcasts. Anyway, he did a collaboration by a guy that I'm a big uh, fan Rumblefish, of. Rumblefish, for those that want to look it up, uh, the movie we're talking about for context, Francis for Coppola, mm-hmm. Rumblefish. Uh, as an aside, you might have you you might mention this later. I don't want to step on your shit, but as a cool side note, features. Tom Waits as a yeah. as a weird side role, yes. which is always cool. Wasn't he? Wasn't he like the um, the cook? No, no, the- no, 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 no. He was the um, he was hired for that film. Okay, just a quick aside for the movie Rumblefish. Um, Tom Waits back in what year did the movie come out? 
70, no, we're no? talking 82, 83. Oh, oh 82, 83. This was, okay, after, okay. this was after the Outsiders. Early 80s. Yeah, this was after the Outsiders. Okay. Well, back in the late 70s, uh, Francis Ford Coppola had his own like kind of mini studio set up in, in Hollywood. And uh, he made friends with Tom Waits. And Tom Waits, um, in the early 70s, was kind of a... He was very much a roustabout, kind of a uh, transient kind of person, and used to spend his time, uh, after making friends with Francis Ford Coppola, used to live at the studio. And in trade, um, he would play songs and do small little filler roles for some of Francis Ford Coppola's early movies where, you know, you could hire your friend for cheap. Tom Waits was his friend, so he would put him in, you know, he'd give him roles. Tom Waits was cheap. Yeah, and the first role that he officially ever did was for Rumblefish, and he played exactly what he was at the time. He played a a bar fly kind of, um, well, he was a piano player in the movie. He was like a shitty dive bar piano player okay i did not know that yeah yeah so anyway that aside rumblefish go ahead anyway uh the reason why i even brought up the ideals was that one of the collaborations was with Stuart copeland and a guy by the name of stan ridgeway he was with a band called wall of voodoo that was out in the late 70s early 80s big 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 track was mexican radio Oh, I'm on a Mexican radio. Anyway, um, for the band of the same name. Oh uh, no, the name of the band was Wall of Voodoo. Wall of Voodoo. Yeah, and uh, vocalist. He was the vocalist. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Anyway, he he had a solo career that had a had a lot of uh, it was it was critically acclaimed. He had a couple of hits. One of them was called Southbound, and another one was called Calling Out to Carol. Anyway, um, he. He was asked, um, I don't know if he was asked by Stuart Copeland or not, but somehow he managed to do a track called Don't Box Me In. Mm. And it was, although it was weird with Stuart Copeland's style of sound and Stan Ridgway's vocals, he played a little bit of harmonica on it. Um, so if you ever get a chance to um, um, catch Stan Ridgway, um, you're never going to catch that fly. Yeah, I'm never going to catch that fly. Um, <laughs> hey, uh, you for must, people listening you must on be SoundCloud, one watch the, the video. Yeah. <laughs> so, so dream. So, how does this relate to dream collaboration? For those of you that are just listening, oh boy, I was trying to catch a fly with my bare hands. I missed <clears> that song, bitch, and I'm going to try and get it some other time. <laughs> All right. Anyway, I'm back to the show. Um, so I was thinking, if I wanted to put me together on a, a collabo of some guys. Who would, I, who would I do for like a super band or like a super duet to do like a song or something like that? Right. And you can, you're, you're saying you consider uh, old police drummer and down the uh, Mexican radio guy. <laughs> Fix me. Fix, help me out here. Old cop drummer, Mexican radio, Mississippi boot. Oh but you consider, you consider these two men a. A dream collaboration, yeah. As I it cons- were, well, I don't. Cons- it led me to believe in the ideal of dream collaborations because ah, okay. I don't think under any circumstances you would see them together. Right. Well, you never see them in the same picture. Yeah. Except for Rumble. A- <laughs> <laughs> so with that, with that, with being, that said, being said, yeah. So, um, well, what's your idea of a dream collaboration? If you were to pick any two musical artists, geez, there's a lot to pick from there. And I know your tastes are specific. Oh, wow, crazy. Um, I would, if I could, if I could put them together. Is this before I'm going to interrupt you? Is this coming from the mind 
of uh, appreciator of music or a the drummer that you are? Oh, this is an appreciator of music. Okay, what do you got? I've got Peter Gabriel and Yes. Holy shit. What type of two okay, hour, well that's, what okay. type of two hour that's, that's a dude album. with a that's a dude with a band. Do you want to make it more specific and say Peter Gabriel with uh Phil Collins or Oh no, no. From yes. Uh uh Wakeman. Oh Phil I like, I, like I who would that. you who would you what two would you put together as a collaboration? Two do you know, two solo motherfuckers. Well, because uh, I got would, my favorite. That would and it already man. exists. Hall and Oates. <laughs> you got the Hall and the Oates already in the same All band. All in the same band. What a dream! <laughs> it's a man eater. Um, whoa, whoa, mustache face. <laughs> Somewhere Oates is thinking when I find that Jamie French album. You know he shaved that motherfucker and, and he looks so that. weird. Yes. <laughs> Not only not only is he thinking that, he's also thinking he'll only come out at night. <laughs> anyway, um, with regards to this collaboration, the mean but touchy bite. <laughs> you know that would be that would be a badass Wait, collab. Um, Peter Gabriel and um, oh my God, Rabin, Rabin, um, uh, Trevor, 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 Trevor Rabin, Rabin, the guitar player. Right. Um, uh, born in Africa, raised in the UK. Uh-huh. Um, plays guitar. Plays guitar. Does his. He's actually does some soundtracks himself. But he's quite known for being the, one of the guitar players for Yes. Yeah. Oh, for, absolutely. For about I want to say ten years. He's still with them now, but. Um, oh, t- more than ten years, Trevor Raven. Mm, ten years. That's nothing. Actually, actually, you know, yeah. Do you realize how much time has passed <laughs> in the last since ten years ago? Well, no, I'm thinking about I'm thinking about album wise between nine oh two one five I'm sorry, nine oh two one oh and Big Generator. That's about ten years. And then they grabbed Steve Howe back. Oh, you're not saying ten years from today backwards. Right. I'm not saying linear time, no. Yeah, not two thousand seven. No. <laughs> okay. I was confused. I'm that's sorry. What, bitch, that's what happens when you only come out at night. <laughs> See? Pay attention, bitch. Pay attention. Don't make me say it. <clears throat> Think! <laughs> Think! <laughs> anyway. So, what is it? So, Trevor, Trevor fucking Raven. 2007, Trevor Raven. Yeah, 2007, <laughs> Trevor. We got, we got, we got, we got the double lot seven Raven. And, and Peter Gabriel. Peter Gabriel, anytime, Peter Gabriel. Let's talk, let's talk, let's talk. Um, Tear that up. He, wait, wait, uh, hold on. Se- security, I, Peter Gabriel. You know, shock ah. the monkey, Peter Gabriel. Oh. oh, that would have been crazy. And and actually, a, yeah, time wise, a good pairing. Yeah, time wise, a good pairing. I I, you made me think of something. What if you took, um, who are the two guys in Tears for Fears? Oh, I can't think of their oh, names. Yeah, no, no, they're nameless. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Tears and Fears. If you. Took- <laughs> If you took if tears, you took tears no, no, seriously. From if you fears. took tears and matched him with Hall, and then took fears and matched him with Oats, you'd have two amazing dream duo supergroups. The world <laughs> would collapse in on itself. Now, now here's the question: oh, you, I can't even say the name. Do you, Hall. 
Hall Tiro fears. <laughs> no, wait a minute. Here's you because you, you have a choice now. Do you take both? Uh, <laughs> do you take both B sides of each band and pair them together? Do you put oats with uh, uh, Baldy Locks, or do you, <laughs> or do you, t- or or do you do you match an alpha with a beta in each band, or do you put the betas together and the alphas together? I'll go alpha beta. So, so it would be Hall and Fears. <laughs> Hall of Fears. Hall, Hall of Fears. And then... Oats of Tears. Tears of Oats, yeah. Tears of Oats. <laughs> One of those bands is uh, uh, ha- settled, saddled with a shitty name. <laughs> but I bet they, really they, they would come up with some badass music, though. Oh, all the way around. Even even if you paired both betas up, and it was a um, f- Fears and Oats band... <laughs> You'd still get amazing work, but first of the all, sequ- you'd get all the high notes. The sequel to one Fear band the, would have no, all the, the high Reaper. notes. Fear the oats. <laughs> okay, so uh, we'll get we'll we'll finish it off this way because the whole thing was uh, duo collaborations in right. music. Who, what would my deal be? Well, my kind of already exists. I would pair up uh, John Flansburg and John Lin- and John Linnell and have the band They Might Be Giants, which already exists. Uh, but if okay, so I've actually seen in a couple recent days some really good kind of amazing duo collaborations, some dream collaborations. Uh, I saw uh, Ben Folds right. with Rufus Wainwright. Oh, man. And even though I don't pay a whole lot of attention to uh, Rufus Wainwright's Wainwright catalog, Rufus Wainwright's catalog, even though I don't know a whole lot about the guy. just go Special Olympics on me. Oh, I went full retard. I did it. I shouldn't have. It's the rule. I don't, but I did. You don't go full retard. Yeah, but I totally did. Um, They did. I saw them during a live performance on the YouTube uh, it was Ben Folds and Rufus Wainwright doing uh, a cover of, um, it was, oh, Silent Whispers? It was, is that the name of the song? It's um, George Michael. Careless Whispers. Ca- Careless Whispers. And wham. dude, wham. dude, it was, a, was it, it wasn't Wham, was it? Yes. It was. Yes. Careless Whispers. Oh my God, wham? yes it was. Holy shit, talking to the mic. <laughs> I would, but every time I do, the fly security guard would come by. <laughs> but they did an amazing duo of uh, Careless Whispers. And, of course, Ben Folds does, the. it's just him at a grand piano uh, playing what is essentially the music. There's no backing band. It's just, just the piano part. And singing the verses. And then, just like fucking Silk... Uh, Rufus Wainwright, right, Wainwright. Like I'm doing it again. God damn it! Rufus with the W's and the R's. Wainwright. Yes, he comes in <laughs> and completely demolishes the refrains and the choruses. The Rufus refrain writes. <laughs> come here, come here. No, come here. I what don't. Do do? I, do I like not being hurt. You remember? You remember Sesame Street? <laughs> Rufus, Rufus. Wainwright, Rufus, Wainwright, 
Rufus Wainwright. Anyway, that's an example of a dream duo that already exists that I just kind of caught out of the corner of my eye. If I were to literally pair up just out of the ether anybody, I think I would put... I'm going to... Oh, dude. Okay, I'll stick with Ben Folds. I'll stick with Ben Folds and pair him up. Like, hey, we have continuity here. I'd stick them with Tom Waits and see what they could do. Oh, that'd be crazy. Those are two powerhouses. The Sanford and Son of Music. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Fold them, Joe. Yeah, dude. That, I think, that would be amazing. That would never happen in a million years. One, because... um, it's it's taking two two people that have such similar roles in music, pairing them together, it would be really hard to do because both are national treasures as far as singing songwriting is concerned. Right. They're both like pinnacles of their craft, and so to match two pinnacles would be really tough. You don't know who would take what role, uh, but I could, but as like soulmates they're there like their their overall spirit of being so um sincere in their writing and so uh i don't know just they just have those nice little touches of humor in their lyrics uh but they can both completely break your heart with two sentences kind of guys they're they're just amazing and i don't I don't know if that's fair to put them together because what you'd want is like a singer-songwriter and maybe a, like a, a second-hand kind of person. Well, okay, in the in the uh, instance of Ben Folds and Rufus Wainwright, both singer-piano players, kind of like my fantasy scenario, uh, Tom Waits and Ben Folds. But what Rufus did was he just dropped the piano altogether and just handled the choruses of a cover song, and it worked spectacularly so you'd have to kind of find a way to get ben folds and tom waits to relinquish duties in order to uh kind of be useful to the other member well i'm sure tom waits could find some type of device he can use (laughs) always (laughs) speaking of device that gets me to thinking Uh, the lead singer for xtc and the lead singer for crash test dummies doing peter Pumpkinhead. Well, now XTC already did Peter Pumpkinhead, yeah, and they the had crash. the uh, they actually um, no, I'm sorry, not XTC. Uh, the Crash Test Dummies did a cover of Peter Pumpkinhead, and they put their uh, female, uh, their I believe their bass player, no, their keyboard player on vocals. Actually, no, the, the singer that. sung it. Peter Pumpkinhead, that's him. <clears throat> Are you absolutely sure about that? If yeah. you pull up the, from the Dumb and Dumber soundtrack, yes, that dude, the chick was singing, the fucking keyboard player was singing. I wish I knew her name. I'm not doing her justice, but dude, sure, yeah, pull it up. It's yeah, I'll kill time while you pull it up. It was absolutely the uh, keyboard player or keyboard player from um, Crash Test Dummies sung the vocals for their cover of Peter Pumpkinhead from XTC. Absolutely. No, I know that. I know that she sung. What the uh, chorus? Uh, That's for the the verses. No, I believe she did the whole bit, and that um, their singer again. I I, I'm shitting all over the band because I can't remember his name. 
but the, the lead singer just kind of did backups. They just kind of did backups on that song. But yeah, that's a thing that actually already happened and it worked. It was good. It actually turned out really well. In fact, it was, um, you know, we have this conversation about bands that when you do cover songs, you could do them one of two ways. You either nail it exactly or you completely dismantle it and make it all your own. And uh, as far as like the backing instruments on this cover of uh, XTC's Peter yeah. Pumpkinhead, they really did nail the music almost note for note, beat for beat, um, instrument for instrument, timbre for timbre. Uh, it was like dead on. And the only thing that was different was that they put their keyboard player on the uh, vocals. Oh, you're pulling it up right now. Okay, cool. Yeah. All right. We'll give it a second. Yeah, I think you're right. Because I'm sure you're saying that her well, name is Ellen just, something? Yeah, yeah. Let's, uh, let's give it a verse. That's her, yeah. Bam. Yeah, and then... The whole like the whole reason that the Crash Test Dummies were known because of the baritone uh, singer in that band, uh, this makes it doubly odd because he kind of barely appears on the track. He just does backing vocals, so they made themselves like double novel. <laughs> <laughs> <clears throat> so anyway, but let's... I still would have liked to hear, I still would have liked to hear him sing it. Oh yeah, no, totally, totally. Peter <clears throat> Pumpkinhead. Yeah, if you took, God damn it, I, I'm having such a hard time with names right now. But the uh, lead singer, guitar player, rhythm guitar player for uh, XTC, for the life of me, I can't remember his name. I usually do know it, um, but if you just took him and his guitar playing abilities, which he's a phenomenal guitar player, you might not know it. Just by, they're not a very visual band, so you never kind of, you know, really. When you think of XTC, it's it's like Tool. You just kind of think of them in very ambiguous terms. But the dude from XTC, the the main singer and guitar player, okay, uh, Terry Chambers. Uh, nope, Andy Partridge. Andy Partridge. Andy Partridge. Um, if you just took Andy Partridge and his abilities on guitar and singing, uh, or just guitar just guitar for this purpose, and paired him up with the dude from the Crash Test Dummies, I think you could come up with some really wild shit right there. I think that'd be perfect because you have a man that is adept at an actual instrument and then a singer with such a pronounced and singular kind of voice. And obviously they both respect and like each other or else they wouldn't have covered right. you know, the XTC song. I think some really neat shit could come out of that. Saying all that, yeah. saying all that, let's skip on to part two of the right. list of uh, dream things. Right. What's what do we got on number two? As um as you or you guys already know, um, Jamie does her own production and directing and some movies, things of that nature. Sure, sure. And I got to thinking to myself, let's just say if Project Greenlight was to fund her for a movie. Um, she can, she could, she can hire people within a budget. She can get a crew within a budget. Um, location is not an issue. Um, everything she needs is available from the studio and we're allowing her to do a remake. 
what would that remake be? Oh boy. Okay. Okay. Hold on. Remake a remake of any movie. So. Oh yeah. One other thing. There's no limit on time, so you can go back as far and as recent as you like. Oh boy. Okay. So, uh, just because I ran out of the room for a second, a studio picks me out of the fucking ether and says, "Here's a budget of oh a million dollars, right?" Make any movie you want, but it has to be a remake. This is very specific. (laughs) This is a very specific scenario. What would what movie would I remake if I had the ability to do so? Okay. Ooh, that's a tough one. That's a tough one. I think um, I talked about this uh, last time on the. Ask a Tranny show uh, last week. Every Friday we do that, Ask a Tranny. It's the live YouTube stream. And uh, in that last episode, somebody asked me what my, if if I had my druthers, what actor's catalog would I bring with me on a desert island? Those are the only movies I could watch. I would have to pick not a director, not a favorite kind of movie or anything. One actor and that's all I could watch is that Let actor's movie. Let me take a wild guess. What? Jimmy Stewart? Bam. Nailed it. Yeah, I did. I picked Jimmy Stewart. And I think if somebody gave me a million dollars, what I would do is I would remake one of more, like, one of the obscure hits. Now, in this perfect fantasy uh, scenario, I would have Jimmy Stewart, <laughs> 37 years old, you know? <laughs> I'd somehow... Uh, do a little voodoo curse, bring him back from the grave, and uh, and use him. In this, I would pick the lottery. Nope. The name of the movie is funny. The Jackpot. One of Links in the description. Because it was just a, uh, kind of a, a, a just screwball comedy, almost. And but But it was very clever, and he was so charming in the movie. And I, what I'd do is I'd take that money, and I would just shoot it... Uh, according to more modern standards, you know, and uh, just make it look, I basically just take a, a kind of obscure but classic movie and beef it up. Just beef it up. Just not because I give actually a shit about the movie, but just because I want a million dollars to hang out with Jimmy Stewart. <laughs> nice. <laughs> nice. What would, if somebody gave... If, say, uh, Fox Greenlight, they gave you, oh, you got a budget. Hey, let's up the budget. Now you can start, hey, we, now we can start mixing, now we start fucking around with sci-fi because of this budget. $50 million. Yeah. Now, okay, now that's actually kind of mid-level for Hollywood right now. You know, a big blockbuster, 100 200 almost, almost $300 million if the property is hot enough. They say $50 million, Orion. You get to remake any movie, and you have a year to do it. <laughs> what the hell would you do? I would do, <clears throat> yes. What? Oh, boy. There's some thinking going on here. We're doing some calculating. He's working out his budget for $50 million. Yeah. You know, This doesn't even include the ad campaign. <laughs> wow, I'll be oh, damned. Oh, boy. What do we got? Now, not only am I going to mention this movie, but if you ever get into a trivia question, somebody asks you. Oh, here we go. 
Oh, Ryan, what movie introduced Ryan Quest to science fiction? This would be the answer. 1980, Saturn 3. Mm. It's a movie that stars Kurt Douglas and Farrah Fawcett, as well as um, Harvey Keitel. This is where we get to, to meet a young Harvey Keitel. Was this? Long before Bad Lieutenant, long Ooh. before Reservoir Dogs. Uh, and long, what, uh, 1980? But not long before some of Scorsese's very first efforts. Yes, yes. Okay. So is this one of Farrah Fawcett's last movies? Because wasn't she deemed a traitor to the state at that point in 1980? Yeah. I think it was this one and then Logan's Run afterwards. Ah, okay. No, I'm sorry. I think Logan's Run was 79, right? Uh, Yeah, I believe so. Uh, And another tiny piece of trivia before we get back Uh to your movie. Um, Logan's Run. Fort Worth, the oh, Water yeah. Gardens, um, yeah. shot here locally in Fort Worth Water Gardens yes. for some of the uh, kind of corridor and chase scenes kind of things. And just when you think there was no sanctuary. Anyway, um, if you ever get a chance to check it out, description in the link. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> it's 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 a great... It's, it's, What's it's it about? Great, What's Saturn... Um, First of all, I want to know what it's about, and I want to know what you find so special about it that you would remake it. Well, well. Or why? Well, like I said, it just has a, a soft spot in my heart. When, in 1980, we got our first cable company out oh. in our neck of the woods in Denton, and they showed so many movies on cable, and one of those movies was Saturn Three. We didn't even get to see Alien until 82. Son of a bitch. You know? Well, what's... What's Saturn 3 about? So Saturn 3 is, it is a horror mm. about um, a guy who is trying to run from uh, uh, from the uh, galactic authorities. Um, <laughs> what he does is he, 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 are we it, dealing with a rebel here? What are we dealing with? He's an imposter and he, oh. he basically, um, chooses to uh, take on the likeness of one of the engineers who has control of this large robot named Hector. And this guy's assignment was to take Hector to um, Saturn III for, so he can do some excavating S- on the so planet. So far? So far? It sounds horrible. Yes. <laughs> oh, it's, it's a terrible movie, but it's a oh, great is movie. It, is, it not, is it not a good movie? Well, well it's, 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 it's a B movie. Okay, it's oh, a B fa- movie. Fair enough, but you have to understand. Oh, so this was the last no of the great. This was the last of the great big budget B movies. But, well, you say big budget, but you also say it's a B movie. Which one is it? Is well, it you got to you got to understand. Is it a Roger? Is it a Roger Corman film? No, 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 no. Okay, but once again, Kirk Douglas and Farrah Fawcett. This big. Those were big yeah, players. Yeah, yeah. Those time, were big players. Yeah. yeah, and Kirk Douglas was old, but he was still moving like a champ back yeah. in the day, and. Anyway, uh, well, and this also sounds like the kind of movie that uh, a cable company would be able to pick up, like they'd be able to pick up the yeah, rights for exactly, it because yeah. it was such a cheap movie. So All anyway, right. to, to to be real quick, yeah. he, he takes Hector to to Saturn Three, where uh, where our two characters are at, our our two heroes. He builds the robot, and the robot takes over the planet, and the rest of the movie is them trying to outwit the robot, mm. and. It's it's as far as I'm concerned, it, it's a classic to me, and I still love it. But there is some stuff that's kind of suspect in it. But watch it and watch it and judge for yourself. Okay, so you would take fifty million dollars and say 
to Fox Studios Greenlight Division. I'm I got it. I'm gonna make get this. Sad, hey, hear me Saturn. Out. Hear me out. Hold on. Hear me out. Here we go. Hear me out. Hear me out. <laughs> hear me out. Hear me out. <clears throat> it only comes out at night. Hear me out. <laughs> hear me out. Look, <clears throat> look, I know I failed you with Sergeant Peppers. <laughs> and I know I'll let you down with Can't Stop the Music. But hear me out. Hear me out. Hear me out. She's a man. Hear me out. <laughs> hear me out. Uh-huh. Two words for you. Saturn three. Isn't that one word in the number? Hear me out. Hear me out. <laughs> Isn't that one word in the number? Hear me out. <clears throat> I heard you. I heard you. You're out. You're out. <laughs> oh. Uh yeah. Let's do the last one real all quick. Right, all right, all right. What do we got? Um again, uh the theme is dream scenarios. Things that you can make happen if uh if you had your druthers. Let's what what's the last one? If you had a venue. Mm. Existent or non-existent? Wait, wait, what? <laughs> non-existent. Yes. Like I could just conjure one in my mind. It's a dream I, scenario. I want to look. I want to be on Saturn three, and I'm gonna, <laughs> I'm gonna build. Are you? This what, you're talking about? <laughs> what do you mean non-existent? Well, uh, well, it, the pl- it doesn't exist anymore. Oh, okay. So a thing that. Uh, okay. It, it, uh, 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 hold uh, on just a moment. It exists. <laughs> wait for it. It doesn't exist. <laughs> So a a a club or venue uh, that days, was either, days gone by. Yes, yes. Okay. Either it was either it it was a, it of course it was established, but either it's no longer around or it's still around. Okay, okay, fair enough. Okay. All right, let's start. Let's let's start with again. You. This sounds like more of a musician's question. Yeah, this will be a yeah, most definitely. So if I were to put my band in any venue, what would the dream venue be? Well, uh, right away, I have to discount any existing venue because. You know, you never know how life's gonna go. You could wind up in your dream venue, uh, venue if it exists. You say I want to, uh, as an example, I want to play the Roxy. Easy enough. Haven't played there. Could happen. Might easily happen. Just depends on where I take. It still exists. I could play there. Not a dream venue. Um, you know, uh, Madison Square Garden. You know, of course, anybody's dream venue. You play a show at Madison Square Garden. It exists. It could happen. So those don't count for me. I'm more interested in the things that used to exist that no longer exist. And I think we talked about this before the show. I think you nailed me. I think you nailed me. And I think it's easy. I think anybody that's ever fucking picked up a guitar and plugged it into a goddamn distortion pedal would say that their dream venue, just for one fucking night. There's only one problem. Actually, there's two. Okay, well, I'll I'll say the first one. You surprised me with the second one. Dude, you play fucking CBGBs. Right. You play CB fucking GBs. You know, you, you fucking, if you had the opportunity, you manufacture a shitty punk cover band just so you can get your foot in the door at 7 p.m. on a Thursday night. Just so you could say you played fucking CBGBs. And that would, yes, that would be a dream come true. Amazing. Just to stand in the sweat stains and spit-covered stage <laughs> of the one and only CBGBs. Right. That gave us everything. That, I mean, largely known as a punk rock venue. But, dude... uh, like weird proto fucking punk bands like Television got their start yeah. there. Uh, you did fucking Talking Heads 
of course the Ramones. You know, just name a band that has any kind of impact or on contemporary rock music. They played CBGBs back in the day, and now it sadly no longer exists. Is right. now there's just a fucking store there. You know, hey, you know, sometimes it. All things pass, even the greats. Right. All things pass, and so we lament a CBGB's passing, but you know we have the memories, and we have more importantly every fucking influential band that came off that stage, and those will never leave us. Right. They can tear down the store, they could put a fucking a closing sign on it, but they can't take away what it gave to us. And I think CBGB's is an obvious pick. You had one that you had in mind. Oh, well, mine still exists. Um, anywhere anywhere in Rio, you know, all the, oh. basically, the, they don't have stadiums. They basically have soccer stadiums. They don't, they don't have like a venue where you just go out and play. They just have stadiums where they hold events. And I've seen a lot of bands play Rio and I just want the, I just love the opportunity to play there one day. Okay, and oh. it's a dream. It's a dream venue. So. Well, well, just for context, what's so good about Rio? Name some bands that you know of. That, oh, well, there's always Rush. Well, of course, I knew that would be your first pick. You know, there was also take it way on the other side, uh, Sepultura. I was about to say that's the home of Sepultura. Sepultura so. did oh, yeah. some amazing work. Man. You know, from live concert. Of, of course, that's where they're from. So obviously, they're going to play right. there. But. Some amazing live tracks from Sepultura came out of Rio. Right. And I hear that the crowds there for live music are crazy. Second to none. Are crazy. If you it's it's a soccer crowd. So <laughs> And um, they bring and that you, energy yeah, to fucking So they're playing they're they're going into like a Sepultura is playing like the groove for World War Territories and the and the group goes you can hear them in the back going yeah 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 some guy way in the background going nice any any ones that don't exist anymore that that you would play at Legend Tales of an Area, ah. Legend Tales of an Area in either Nashville or Georgia, ah. but located by the crossroads ah, called yes, the Bucket yes. of Blood. Brigadoon. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Once a year <laughs> on the Misty Moors. <laughs> oh, oh, my God. No, it's not the Moors. You look out into the sea, and the pillar comes up. It's Brigadoon. And that's... Where you find Stonehenge. Rush. <laughs> they only come out at night. <laughs> Stonehenge. Uh, Brigadoon is the only place on earth where um, uh, Hall and Fears ever play. <laughs> <laughs> Once a year, <laughs> when the moon is full. When the moon is full. I got a shirt. I got a shirt that says, I went to Brigadoon and all I got was this fucked up t shirt. <laughs> But no, you you hear tell of a place in Nashville. You say? Yes, it's either Nashville or it's like Louisiana. It's supposed to be the legend of what they call the crossroads, where people have sold their soul to the devil for That's, their for their guitar. Missi- Wait a minute, isn't hey. that Mississippi? Mississippi? Is I, it? I can't remember. You're talking about Robert Johnson's deal with the devil at the yeah. crossroads. Isn't there supposed to be a club there called the Bucket of Blood? That actually sounds familiar. Who played there? Why are they famous? 
Uh, Let's probably. assume that is the name yes. with our no research. Mm. <laughs> it's not called the known podcast. <laughs> it's called the <laughs> approximate podcast <laughs> for if a we, reason. If we knew it, it would be called the knowledgeable podcast. Right. Now, we're very dumb, and we pour <laughs> beer in our faces. <laughs> but um, I don't know if it exists or not, but I would love to find out. You know, I, I would love for that to be a, a place that you could jam, just to just to be a fly on the wall to see the guys that have gone in there and 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 battled it out for guitar supremacy. That it only came up because you said guitar players. Right. So yeah, I was like, what better place to so you know, are you, peddle your wares? Are you thinking of the movie Crossroads? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> the Karate Kid and Steve Vai going head to head. Steve Vai is obviously so, somehow the Seth, karate kid. That wins. movie's a goddamn sham. Steve is obviously the ultimate player. And just because the fucking karate kid kicked the dude in the face yeah, at the end of the goddamn movie, which was an illegal move, he gets the fucking God shines dude, on him. <laughs> no. There were people yelling at Steve Vai, get the leg, take the leg. <laughs> Let's shut it down, sis. I think we should absolutely do that. Um, go ahead and uh, close, any, us, close any, us out. Any plans this weekend? Uh, I have no plugs. We're just going to be working on podcasts all week. So everybody that's watching, keep paying attention to the uh, our YouTube channel. Subscribe, like it, and we're going to do our level best to make sure that you have a show every day of the week. It's going to be a process, but we're working on filling up the work week. So just keep paying attention and, uh, yeah, uh, close us out with the links and stuff. Proximate Podcast is a dead girl production. Proximate Podcast is a Rufus Wainwright. Rufus Wainwright. Why are you having such a hard time? Because he only comes out at night. Stop me if you've heard that one. The Approximate Podcast is a dead girl production. She sells seashells by the seashore as she slits sheets in the slithering shop. You can, you can, yeah. <laughs> yeah, what the fuck was I that? Can, I don't know. I don't know. You can, I don't know what that yeah, was. You broke my brains. You know, and I don't know. Next thing you'll, next thing you'll get is hopscotch. Um, okay, okay. Hey, let's, let's narrow it down. Uh, what are the places that people need to go? All right. You can, first of all, find us um, on Twitter at ApproxPod. You can find us under OQuest13. And um, Jamie underscore French, correct? Yep. You can just do it by going to ProxPod and just looking for Jamie or Ryan. Yep. Um, you can find us on all the media outlets. Media outlets, SoundCloud, um, iTunes, yes. YouTube. And for YouTube subscribers, like, share, subscribe. Tell them about the burner line. Uh, the burner line is 817-673-3704. Again, for people in the cheap seats, that's 817-673-3704. You can... <laughs> Hit us up on that line. Uh, send us a text. Leave us a voicemail, and we will address you on Friday's Ask a Tranny show, our live YouTube uh, experience that you'll love and hate. Uh, so 817-673-3704. Do it. Do it. I think that's that's about it, right? They only come out at night. Whoa, whoa here she comes.